0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Teachable Podcast. The Teachable Podcast is my chronicles of my journey through my Master of Arts in Learning and Technology through Royal Roads University. I started the program about two months ago, and my mind is just being continually blown. I am learning things at an exponential rate, and I thought it would just be great to chronicle and to kind of capture little tidbits here and there of what I'm learning and share with others, as well as just the, the experiment of having a podcast in this arena. Last episode which was I believe two weeks ago now was about my digital presence and it was a reflection on my digital presence and how things were changing and what my digital original digital or my original plan sorry for my digital presence was going to be. I talked a lot about how Twitter has just been opening up my world and it continues to open up my world as far as open education and educational resources and this whole world of learning and technology, which is way more beyond what I thought it was. It's gone beyond just me thinking about online courses and YouTube videos and that sort of thing. And one of the big takeaways for me so far has been this idea of open education. And I just wanted to discuss a little bit about open education, basically my introduction to it. I think I'm going to call this episode my introduction to OER, which is Open Educational Resources only because I am by no means an expert. I've only been learning about this probably seriously for the past month, and there's so much more for me to learn about, and the more I read about it, the more I watch YouTube videos on it, the more I discuss it with others, it's just getting me more and more excited about the future of education, whether that's through K to 12 or in the higher education realm as well. So I just want to talk a little bit about OER today, and I'm going to reference a few uh, web articles that I've got here. I'll put references in the show notes so you guys can access it. The big one for me was EduCase's seven things you need to know about open education. So a lot of that is is covered from this. I'm also going to talk a little bit about Creative Commons licensing, but I think I'm going to leave that more to a later episode because I think it belongs in an episode completely by itself because there's just a lot to it. So I'll just discuss a little tiny bit about it today. So I'm just going to go through my notes here. Number one, Open educational resources are t- teaching and learning material that reside in the public space, so free. And in this world, of the interwebs in the internet now, it is a fantastic time to be alive because we can put all this stuff up on the internet and it can be made available for free. So whether that is a textbook, a video, an audio like this podcast, assessments, formative or summative, notes, simulations, basically anything that can be useful in education. And I'm just seeing this blow up as far as, and I mean that in a good way, blow up is is a good term here. Uh, I see lots of notes being put out on the internet. I see lots of open online courses. I see lots of PDFs being shared. And at the same time, I know that there are some resistance or there is some resistance to this idea of open education because instructors and teachers, they are building these things and they feel they've got proprietary rights over them. That is a whole philosophical discussion that perhaps maybe I'll have a guest on sometime to discuss and talk through. But for myself, I look at I've got this material and I build videos and I write notes and that sort of thing. And I feel like I owe it to my students to make that stuff available to them. And I've just gone through a mind shift where before I had been in the past. I had sold some of my my videos and courses online to help kind of finance my my building more videos and courses. But now that I'm looking more into this OER and open educational resource mentality, the more I'm going to be shifting towards an open education system myself. So all these courses that I'd previously sold are now going to be online for free. I'm in the process of building them and making them on a platform that would allow that to happen. So again, textbooks, videos, audio, assessments, notes, simulations, basically anything that could be useful in education and could be shared with other instructors in our industry and in our field. For myself, I'm an electrician. I teach electrical theory, I teach a foundation program, which is entry level trades program. So students coming in that are wanting to get into the trade and learning about tools. I also teach in the apprenticeship program, second year apprentices. So they come in and they need information as well. So for the past, I'd say four years, I've been building videos and putting them on YouTube. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It's the Electric Academy on YouTube. And I've taken these videos and they are basically walkthrough of electrical concepts. And they're just, the whole thing started with, I had a student, Elton, you know who you are, said that he got a lot of information from the lectures, but he just wished he could videotape the lectures because he wanted to go back and just go over and rewind and pause and stop and slow things down. And then I thought to myself, well, with the technology I have with an iPad and with a whiteboard app and with the audio gear I had, I thought, why not build these little instructional videos? So I started doing that. I started building them on trigonometry, on AC generation. I started building them on transformers, electronics. I'm building some now on three phase power. These are all videos that I I knew that I would have loved to have as a student. And I started posting them on, on YouTube. And I just let my students know that they were there for them. So basically YouTube was a repository for my videos for my students to get access to. Little did I know that it would start to grow and now, four years later, I'm up to almost 10,000 subscribers. I should hit 10,000 subscribers by the end of the month. Over 500,000 views on my videos. One of my videos alone on three-phase power has over 120,000 views on it. And it just blows my mind, not to pump my tires, but that there's such a need for this stuff out there. And the nice thing about YouTube is it's free it's access to everybody. So that's, that's kind of my story. And I, I spoke at a, uh, did a little five-minute blurb at a symposium last week. And I talked about how I was into open education without really realizing that I was into open education. So I was an open education advocate without knowing actually the vernacular or the terms. So whilst I was learning about that and becoming more and more aware of it, because I've, like I've mentioned, I've been taking this Royal Roads University Masters of Learning and Technology, I came across open education. And one of the, the big proponents of the, the one of the the main men in it or main guys in it is Dave Wiley and he talks about the five R's and you again, I'll leave notes to this and I'm sure he would have no problem with it being that he is one of the main, main uh, people behind the whole idea of open education right now. So his five R's are, and I'll number them out and I'll talk a little bit about each five points here, each of the five points. So there's retain is number one. Reuse is number two. Number three is revise number 4 is remix and then we end with redistribute which is number 5. So retain is you make and control copies of content. So like I've said I've made notes, I've made PDFs, I build videos, that sort of thing. So I I retain I I still have access to that. They are mine. Reuse, I use that content in a very in a variety of ways. So I put it out there and it, once I I just learned about Creative Commons open licensing recently. Now as I'm putting that out there, people can take my videos and they can put them and embed them into their own textbooks or open educational textbooks, that sort of thing, and reuse it. So they can use my content for their their courses, which is something I've already done with the teachers at the institute I teach at. I tell everybody about the videos and let them reuse them as they need them. So I'm reusing them. This is the part that excites me these next two revise is it allows people to adapt or adjust my material so i can put this stuff out and as good as i think it might be if somebody else comes along and sees that they can add to it add value to it they have all the rights to go ahead and do that and again i'll talk more about that in the creative commons podcast that i'll do later on remix is to combine this material with new material so to kind of remix it together and there's this video and if you've got time and i'll put links in the show notes to this one too it's called everything is a remix basically how we mash everything up together and we create better things from it. So my ideas get mashed up with another instructor's ideas, who gets mashed up with another instructor's ideas and we, we create this thing together and it gets remixed into something that is bigger and better than what its initial smaller parts were. And then it gets redistributed. So we share that information and we make sure that we share that in a free, open platform. So I've got number two in my notes here. What is it? So the the big thing with OER or Open Educational Resources is it's digital. So it lends itself to online and hybrid learning. And what I mean by that is hybrid, face-to-face and online. I I teach face-to-face full-time, but I'm also a hybrid teacher, whereas I let my students, I try to flip my classroom a bit. They have access to all my materials digitally as well. So while it's digital, they can also print it out. It doesn't have to be completely digital. They can print out the PDFs, the worksheets, all that fun stuff. Um, it's got a creative commons license to it. And again, we'll talk about that because right now I've, I'm looking at making my videos creative commons license by, so basically if somebody uses my stuff, all they have to do is they're, they're welcome to use it for however they want to use it. And all they have to do is attribute me to that, uh, the digital, so the open educational resources, the big thing is finding them and they can be found in open education repositories. And some of the big ones, especially the ones that I've been brought into contact with and have talked to, actually, I had a discussion today with Amanda Coolidge from BC Campus, is a big one. They are the ones that I originally learned about through this course that I'm taking. There's also an eCampus Ontario, and again, notes will be or there'll be links in the show notes for these guys. If you go to these two sites, BC Campus and eCampus Ontario, which are the Canadian versions, kind of their their sister sites almost, they share a repository of different so you can go look at the open textbooks you can search for say electrical i would search for or electrical trades and i would see all the textbooks that are out there as far as or not even textbooks oer resources available to people in those fields um then uh, the well you can see there's oer commons open courseware and merlot is not only just a fine wine but it is a place for open education resources so the nice thing about also about open educational resources, which I love, is is they can be adapted on the fly. So I'm in the process of building two open educational textbooks right now. And the nice thing is if somebody wants to come along and take my stuff and remix it, they can just do that and put it out there. It doesn't have to go through this big long process of bureaucracy and getting shifted around and voted on and going to the publisher and edited. I mean, there should definitely be some editing that goes into that, and I'll discuss that in a minute here about the downside of some of this OER stuff that's coming out. But for the most part, they can be adapted on the fly, which means that they can get iterated quite quickly, and they can be adjusted, and they can be uh, made better than they were. So because it's open, it allows for more innovation as well. So say that I come across somebody who has a fantastic set of notes, just the PDF is like the way they've described things and they've got their worksheets and examples are just fantastic. What I could do if they've got an open license is I can take that and I can embed my videos in it and I can make it better than it was before by actually having walkthrough videos in line with that. So that's something that can, that can uh, be done. And then there's also other ways that, I mean, innovation is the sky's the limit. Your imagination is the limit is how you want to do this. I think the nice thing about this is it actually promotes collaboration and participation. And we've all worked with uh, instructors or seen or heard stories about instructors in the past that they build their stuff and they just hold on to it. Whereas you also have other instructors and teachers and co- colleagues that let it go and just like share as much as they possibly can. And I love that idea of the sharing and the collaboration because then you have to start having discussions and you start making things better. And a big one with the OER stuff is it saves, st- and I put this last, but it should almost be first in the list. The student savings are humongous. I went to university and it was a while ago, back in the 90s. And even back then, I would say that every semester I was spending probably five to six hundred bucks a semester in books. And that's not, I'm not even overreaching there. I'm pretty sure that that was about what it was. I would budget probably about a thousand dollars a year for books. And it looks like it's still around that is students are having to pay for these textbooks. And tuition alone and the cost of living i live in the vancouver area cost of living here is astronomical as it is housing is ridiculous and high cost of living students are expected to have to not only pay for their tuition pay for their books but pay for rent sometimes they they end up taking jobs while they do take go to school and it just makes life very very difficult and the whole starving student i there was a presentation that i went to last week talks about how starving students is not just they you know colloquial term anymore it's there's students out there that are not able to eat because they have to buy books so with the amount that they spend on tuition why not help them out by having open resources at Kwantlen Polytechnic University is a huge proponent of open education and they've got an infographic and it talked about how they alone their open education platform has saved students more than five hundred thousand dollars that's overall obviously not each student but still that is mind-blowing that's so exciting that they're able to do that and there's this big push towards what they call in the States a Z degree or what they call up here in Canada Z creds is having courses go through where you don't have to pay, pay any money for the books. So that's an exciting th- thing to be part of. Now, the downside, the, and I always have to look at the downside of things is quality might be an issue. Now, from what I've seen, and I like I said, I've just been into this for like a little over a month. The quality that I've seen of these open educational resources is phenomenal through BC Campus or eCampus Ontario, they are peer reviewed. They have um, stipends that they give to instructors in that field to do reviews of texts, so they do get their, their due diligence that way. Another thing is not all of these repositories offer an area for feedback, so that could be something that is like something that could be worked on in the future. Is if somebody has an issue with it or wants to add to it or wants to discuss things with the author then maybe there needs to be more of an area of feedback to do that. The system needs to be vetted, which I've just discussed. Search banks can be cumbersome. Now, these things are starting to grow exponentially, these repositories, and having a search... Obviously, we have searchable content, but to be able to drill down and search through all these repositories for information that would be relevant to you and your field and your industry can be difficult. So I would think that communities are some things that are going to start popping up. Open educational communities for electrical instructors, an open education community for piping instructors, open educational community for English literature professors. If we could get these communities built, then we could start sharing the information that we have and that we've used, and it is doing well for us. And so again, I'm sure there are those communities out there. I just haven't dug enough into this. And like I said, this is my introduction to OER and me sharing my journey through this. So search banks can be cumbersome. As more resources become available, it may be possible for people to gain all the knowledge they need without going to a class. So some people worry about this teacher redundancy and that if you have all these videos online and you have all this information online that you know teachers are not going to be needed anymore, I can speak specifically to that. I believe that you're always going to have to have face-to-face time with the teacher. I think it's very difficult to have a completely online course. I, even if you have to have some sort of video conferencing, That would be face-to-face, in in my opinion. Now, as a trades instructor, and I'm speaking specifically to trades instructors, we need to be in front of our students because there are hands-on skills and things that we need to work with people through. Also, when you're struggling and you need to have some tutoring sessions, it's good to be able to sit down with an instructor with you by your side, walking you through concepts. And as good as you might be, you're going to hit a snag sometimes, and you're gonna to have to have that face to face time. And again, it can be done through video conferencing, through Zoom, and through whiteboard apps and that sort of thing. But I think you're not gonna, we're never gonna need, lose the need to have instructors. I don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. So I think it's something that we can put to bed as far as that's concerned. Now, that's basically, I, I just wanna make these podcasts short. So I'm at 17 minutes now, but that's basically my journey through OER. Just to recap again, it's, Open educational resources, which are free to be used by anybody. And they're not only free to be used, but they're free to be edited and revised and put out and mashed up and just made better, which totally excites me. Uh, so open education, I'm spe- speaking specifically from a trades perspective as well. And I think it's just such a, such a need. This education makes life way easier on instructors because we can share our information, share our resources, and it can be changed on the fly. It makes it very easy for the student because then they don't have to worry so much about books. That $1,200 a year, that is a lot of money that could buy a lot of groceries for students and we no longer have to worry about the starving students. Um, All the information I've talked about today, I will make sure that I take the time and I add all this information into the show notes. There are tons of resources out there. There's a YouTube video, David Wiley, again, the guy who coined the five R's, he, um, He's got a video that he talks about open educational resources that is just phenomenal. I was watching it today. I'll make sure I put a link to that as well in the show notes. So you want to definitely check out the, the website where this is going to be posted at. And I would just love to hear from you guys in regards to open education. Is anybody out there using it? What kind of, uh, what kind of experience have you had with it? Are there any upsides, downsides, anything like that, please feel free to comment in the show notes below on the website or you can feel free to email me at chadflynn at gmail.com. I would love to hear what you guys think about this whole exciting, exciting platform and stuff like Pressbooks, any other kind of platforms where people are releasing these repositories or sorry, releasing this these resources and any repositories for this information as well, like where we can all find them. All right, that's it for this week, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Again, I don't really have a set schedule for the Teachable podcast. It's just as things come up to me. I do think I'm going to put together one on Creative Commons because it's kind of the, the sister sister to all this information here about open education is how do we get the, uh, the licensing out there so that people can know that they can use or share it and reuse it. All right, hope all are doing well and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.